Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Counterculture Ketchup. My name is Joel. Uh, I'm flying solo tonight. I do not have our uh, provocative pastor or anybody with me today. Uh, Jamie is away on, the, on a family trip, so it's just me today. But I thought I would uh, join with you guys in uh, talking a little bit about a um, phenomenon that has gone on these past couple weeks in uh, Kentucky. They're calling it the Asbury Revival. It took place in um, uh, a school, a theological school in Asbury, Kentucky. And so I thought it would be a good idea to take a break from the Francis Schaeffer study that we've been doing and to talk about something that is directly happening right now in our culture today as it pertains to the Christian church. If you guys enjoy this kind of content, um, be sure to like our page on YouTube and uh, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, everywhere, Freedom Church NJ. Leave us a recommendation of a topic that you'd like us to go over. Once again, we have our delicious sponsor, Lucinda Lynch, who is the creator of Born Again Baking, a local bakery that serves up both savory and sweet uh, dishes. Uh, if you put in the code CC10 in the promo code, you will get 10% off your order. She is a member of Freedom Church. She comes to Counterculture and she brings us these delicious treats that I'm sure that you will enjoy. So be sure to go to bornagainbaking.com and use promo code CC10 for 10% off. So um, I have a few thoughts on it that we shared at the class tonight. And uh, we actually watched two videos. Uh, one video that was more uh, against what was going on at the revival and critical, um, really more discerning rather than anything else and then um, another video that was for it and uh, that believes um, that what was happening there uh, which what is continuing to happen there uh, really was from god and is from god and it's a good thing for the church so i'm titling um, this episode um, was the asbury revival good for the church and the reason that i chose that title is because a lot of people are saying it's not really revival because we have to wait and see the fruit that it brings. If it brings salvation, you know, to be revived means to come from something from death to life. And um, are we seeing that many salvations that are happening there? So is it really a revival? You know, I want to kind of hopefully give maybe some clarity to um, the situation and uh, so that people will hopefully have more of a clear idea of what's going on and be able to make their own judgments on what's happening there and also is something like this good for the church um, or is it something that maybe could be a distraction. So as kind of a precursor to going into the videos and what we watched tonight and giving my thoughts on it, um, I think it would be a good idea to um, kind of talk about what we as a class and what I think um, about that word revival because i think that's where a lot of the confusion of categories is coming in um you know revival doesn't have to be um people who are not saved not converted coming to the lord in droves that's not necessarily what it means it just means something that is coming back to life and um you know i think of that passage that says it's time for judgment to begin at the house of god you know and um so it's talking in the context there is talking about um, suffering as a Christian, and you know it starts with us, and then from 
the church being empowered by the Holy Spirit, then it can go out to the world and can bring conversions. So we had a really good group tonight. And um, what we talked about a lot was what does that word revival actually mean? Um, and honestly, like if this is not called a revival, I don't think that it diminishes whether or not it was good um, and that we should encourage things like this to be happening in the country because I think the church needs revival just as much as the world needs a revival. Um, we've seen uh, so many false ideas, false beliefs coming into the church, but you do see in the Gospels over and over again, Jesus working with his disciples, making them stronger in the faith, stronger in their trust in the Lord before they go out and then they can go and influence the world for them. You think of Peter, you know, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. One of our more experienced uh, church members, um, Bob, was there tonight, and I think he had a really good definition of what revival means too, because he's like, every day I'm living in revival. You know, revival is not something that just happens one time and then it's done. And we talk about these things as if there was this revival at this point, there is this revival. And, you know, really what it's more talking about is drawing near to God and having God draw near to you. And that is our promise in the Word of God. And I think one reason that, you know, I come from uh, the Reformed faith, and I think a lot of people in that movement, which the first video that we saw was by Todd Friel, who is in the, uh, the Reformed movement, um, you know, Ligonier, R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, that, that um, type, you know, great Bible teaching, obviously, or else I wouldn't be that. Um, but they, they definitely are more, more critical of these kind of quote-unquote moves of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I do understand why they are critical of that. People have been hurt by leaders who come into the church um, with their emotions and their miracles that are more than shoddy. People thinking, if I just give money to this ministry, I'll be healed. Or if I just have enough faith, I'll be healed. Or whatever it is, you know, and then it doesn't come to pass and it ruins them for like the rest of their life. Um, you think of somebody like famous, like um, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, like these type of prosperity preachers. You know, certainly I understand why there is a stigma around them, why we don't want to be um, around them. We don't want to be associated with them and with what they do. Um, and I think uh, Kosti Hinn, who is Benny Hinn's nephew, I believe, he has some really good things to say on the dangers of that movement and where um, that gets taken a lot of the times um, and all of the, the false miracles that have happened there, um, doing it for the money and not having the true gospel, you know, not having true um, salvation, but just going for the show, right? But this is where I think as conservative, strong believers who love the word of God and who are um, seeking to line up our doctrine and our beliefs um, so carefully so that we don't cross that line into error. I think we can do better at testing these things and realizing, um, like the Bible says, to test all things but to hold fast to what is good, right? And there it's talking specifically about the works of the Spirit, prophecies and, um, uh, you know, do not quench the Spirit. And I think what can happen and what has happened in a lot of these uh, theological circles of being so, making sure that we're right on, with our teaching, I think that we can 
automatically come into something like what happened at Asbury with a presupposition. And no matter what happens there, because so many people are flocking to it, and maybe some of them are Methodists or whatever the belief system is that's different from ours. And um, obviously, we don't throw differences under the rug. They're very, very important. But I do think that we could miss what God could be doing in these people's lives if we are testing things so much that we forget to hold fast to what is good, right? I guess the expression would be throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? But um, as we look at what happened at Asbury, um, to me, it seems clear this is not a Benny Hinn revival. This is not a Kenneth Copeland word of faith. Um, we're doing this for the healings. We're doing this to show the demonstrated you know, power of the Spirit. There's a couple of reasons that I think that this is different. The first reason being the way that it started at Asbury was they heard a message, a strong gospel-centered biblical message uh, in the chapel service about repentance. And um, it's starting with the church before we can go out and minister to others. It's on YouTube. You can view it. Uh, I'll put the link to that message in underneath the show notes as well as the other videos that we watched. And after the message, the students there were so convicted by the message, one of the students came up and confessed their sin publicly in front of the other students. This was the start of the quote-unquote revival. It was simple, honest, biblical, heartfelt worship and repentance of sin. And if that's not the Holy Spirit working, I don't know what is. That this is what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts the world of sin. Now, later on, because it went into, they never stopped worshiping and praying. People came from all around the world, right? Kept growing, 24-hour uh, worship service, right? People were coming in. Do I think people could come in and try to hijack that simple spirit that was there at the beginning and try to put on, now it's time, let's get our revival hats on. We're going to see healings. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see speaking in tongues and all of this other demonstrative stuff. That's all in a up here demonstrative world category. Down here is prayer, repentance, worship, living in holiness, walking in truth. This is what, from what I can tell, and I wasn't there, and the people here in the videos were not there, and so we should not be quick to judge. From what I can tell, though, the Asbury Revival, whatever you want to call it, was all about simple worship and love of God, period. Marked by repentance marked by repentance and confession of faith. I mean, confession of sins. That is not. And what is one of the big criticisms on some of these more showy ministries and prosperity preachers? They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about um, being personal holiness. They, they are just in it for the emotions of it, right? That's not what this was. And so I think for us, we have to be able to test all things. Uh, I'm not going in there thinking, oh, it's got to be a move of God. I have no idea right off the bat from what people say or whatever. We can see the fruit. We can see what's going on there. But if it's marked by confession, prayer, and worship, I'm going to say it's probably not of the devil, personally. Okay? Another thing is, these are college students. 
These are college students. They're worshiping 24 hours a day. They're not stopping worshiping and praising God and praying to God and confessing sins for a college student instead of wasting their time doing what normal college students do. Like, if only we could have that more, you know. Um, yes, we want to be biblically sound, of course. We want to test all things. But we have to test all things with an open mind that it might actually be good what's happening there. That's all I'm saying. So the first video that we watched was by Todd Friel from Wretched. I follow Todd. I love Todd. I've watched a lot of his videos. He's got an interesting personality, to be sure. He brought up some points just to question what's happening there. So testing. This is a good thing. He had eight reasons that we should uh, test and be wary about what's going on there. Okay. So I just want to run you through the reasons and give short responses to each one of them. So the first point is there's been eight uh, purported revivals at this university in the past. Um, why this university? Does that mean that you know God loves you know them in a special way or whatever? Is that why you know the Spirit is pouring out there? Well, I do believe that there is. Um, your beliefs will impact how you practice your faith, and so we are not going to see revivals or if you want to call them, you know, 24-7 worship services, if your faith does not believe that the Holy Spirit can work in a special way. And I think a good question to ask would be, maybe God is not working in that same way in our churches or in other universities because we don't believe that God actually works that way, because we don't believe that God can work on somebody's heart over time when they're in constant prayer and worship. Look, if we don't believe that uh, the Spirit of God will hover or move over a place of worship, if we don't believe that, then obviously we're not going to see that sort of like revival and stuff happen. But I think here's something that all Christians would agree on. What does Jesus say? The Holy Spirit was around like the, the prior, the Old Testament saints, but now he will be in us. He will be in you. Jesus said, it's better that I go to the Father because I'm going to leave you a comforter who will be with you forever. And he will not just be with you, he will be in you, right? And so I don't doubt for one second that whatever was happening there in Asbury can happen anywhere else in the world that the Spirit is indwelling a believer. One point that might be missed with that is that the Spirit of God will only work somewhere that the person there is drawing near to God. What is the promise? If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. There at Asbury, for 24 hours, there were people from young to old calling out to God in worship and in prayer. You don't think that that has a better chance for the Holy Spirit to be drawing near to those people than at a bar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there is something about where people are drawing near. Now, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit cannot do that anywhere in the world. So I think in order to get whatever was happening at Asbury to come to our lives, all we need to do is to draw near to God, and He will draw near to us in that way. I can do that in my room. You don't have to be at, at a specific place. So the second point is the gospel was not being preached there. Um, 
that there was not a call to holiness. And there I would, I would disagree because, first off, it was marked by repentance, like I said. Um, repentance is being holy, being made, being sanctified, uh, letting go of your sin and trusting in Christ. Now, I think what he means is that there is no exposition of the Word of God, that somebody gets up there and preaches a sermon of, of the Word of God. And that's true. But this is not a Sunday morning service. That's not the point of what they were doing. The point of what they were doing is simply worship and praying to God. And if you want to say, well, that's not a revival, then that's fine. But remember, we don't have to have that definition of revival. I don't really care what you call it. You just call it a worship service for that long. That's why the point I'm trying to get across is, is this a good thing for the church or is this something that should be avoided? Calling to repentance, conviction of sin, prayer for others, worshiping God, the songs that you're singing to. I know they were singing hymns. They were singing How Great Thou Art. They're singing It Is Well With My Soul. You know, they're singing Jesus Paid It All. They're singing songs that have the gospel in it. One thing that made me really respect what they were doing there is um, there's a story of, um, I don't know if it's a church group or just some people that came in with um, banners. And you know how in like a Pentecostal church, you know, in the back of the church, they'll be running around with banners, um, worshiping God, right? And they said, uh, at Asbury, they said, we don't want that here. We don't want the demonstrated, you know, showy emotionalism that you so often see. They said, that's great that you do that. We love that you do that at your churches. Um, there's no problem with banners, but that's not what we're doing here. We are worshiping, praying, and calling uh, for the Lord to make us holy. And it would be a distraction to use that. Yeah, I think that is to be respected. So the third thing is uh, the cast of characters that were there. So you had um, Tom, Todd Bentley and some people from um, Bethel Church and, um, and people like that. You can't control who's going to be coming to the, the places. And I get it. You don't want to be associated with people who have had um, you know, false teachings uh, in the past. Totally get that. I'm 100% I'm on board with that. But they are allowed to show up. Nobody called them. And, and said, you know, we want your advice, you know, or something like that. Uh, the people there are not endorsing uh, the people that are coming in. They're just worshiping God and people are coming in. But again, it started as a simple worship and prayer time. And that's what it remained because they were willing to say, we don't want a takeover from any other group. We just want it to be about Jesus <laughs> and about worshiping him. And I think that's to be commended. So five uh, kind of got into the question we asked before, what is revival, right? Because um, there's really two definitions that he gave. Uh, one was in the individual, you know, being born again. And the other was the outpouring into the communities and seeing lives changed, you know. Again, I don't think it has to be called a revival, right? Um, but um, there was non-believers there for sure. And it was not only, uh, only believers there. But even if it was only... Christians that were there. You know, what did Jesus do before he went out for his ministry? But he spent time in prayer and fasting before he went out to affect the world, right? And so I, d I don't think we should get caught up in the term. I think more, what's more important is, is what's going on, good or not. So also, you know, when you do see revival in the New Testament, Todd brought up two points, um, <clears throat> you know, Jonah and Nineveh, and Jonah preached repentance, and there they did see a revival. 
Um, and then also Peter in the book of Acts, where he preached salvation again to like to non-believers, to the, the Jews and the Gentiles there who were not saved. And then they saw, you know, 3,000 to their uh, number daily, right? Um, and amazing um, conversions happening. And that's awesome, you know. But again, I don't think that that's what the word has to mean. And I don't think that we have to use that word to be like, well, we have to see that or else it's not that. It's like, if that's what your definition is, then sure, we won't call it that. That's fine. Um, but you also see Paul and Silas when they're in prison. They're singing and praising God at midnight, it says. And there are people, like it said, the, the jailer, right, who was hearing that and then he got saved. And I think that's comparable to what they're doing there at Asbury. They're praying and worshiping. Non-believers are there. They're hearing the message, you know, and I think that's just as important as, um, you know, what, what Jonah was doing too. Also in these places where we see the, like in, in Nineveh, when you see the repentance and people coming to the Lord, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that, that repentance stayed the whole time. You know, this was a one-time calling that Jonah had. You know, again, we just, we shouldn't get caught up in the terminology, I think. Number seven is, um, some like bizarre happenings at the church. And this, the reason that they're bizarre happenings for Todd is because it's some things that his um, Reformed faith does not uh, agree with. So for instance, there was a demon being cast, cast out. Now, I don't know if it was a real demon. I don't know, right? My point is like, okay, so if there was a demon there, should we not cast it out? Should we just leave it there? Like, yeah, it might seem weird to us to see that and maybe you know, we don't see that too often, but like, this is what you have a problem with? To me, I don't see what, what is the issue with this? Like, isn't this, isn't this a good thing if it's real? So again, it's like, we're coming in with the presupposition of like, ah, we shouldn't have demons being casted out there. That's bizarre. You know, it's like, I don't, Jesus casted out demons. But if the worst thing that you can say about it is, well, demons were being cast out. It's like, I, you know, things about women that were, uh, preaching, or there was um, like a homosexual worship leader. Um, but all of those things are being, to me, they're just being blown out of proportion to where it seems like when they're saying that, like, if you are going along with it, you must be compromising your faith. If, because if, if you believe that, that women can't be, can't be pastors and that, you know, homosexuals should not be in leadership in your church, right? Again, we have to just take a measured approach. Let's see Let's not just go off like hearsay. Let's see what's actually going on and, and really try to examine it for what it is and not just to try to not believe it. That is true. Or on the other side, not just to believe, well, it must be a move of God because we're seeing a lot of people there. That doesn't, that's not true either. I'm just trying to get us to test things biblically, but also to hold fast to what is good. So female preachers, like women preachers, this is not a Sunday morning service. You know, when Paul's talking in, in 1 Corinthians uh, in First Corinthians 12 and 14, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to get into that whole can of worms, but that's talking about in church, in a church service. This is a college university worship service. This is, they're not comparable. So if you have, you know, women to get up and speak, it's like, that's not what Paul is talking about when Paul is talking about the elders of the church. They're not, they're not elders. That, so, so that, Criticism does not, I don't think, holds any water whatsoever. Also, you know, we say things about like homosexuality, and but are we actually understanding what that person believes about it? Or are we just trying to stamp onto it 
homosexual and this church. They're connected, so it must equal bad. But what is the true story? You know, the Bible says very clearly that God hates sowing discord among brethren and bearing false witness against your neighbor and against your brother. And that's a serious charge. And if these are false accusations, I think that's something we should really be paying attention to. So as far as I can tell, there is a worship leader at Asbury. He is same-sex attracted, but he knows that it's a sin, and he's choosing to live his life celibate and not give in to his desires and instead to follow Jesus. That's as far as I can tell. That's, that's what it is. Because if he was actually at this theological seminary, which is what Asbury is, as an, an open homosexual that's unrepentant, he would not be allowed in the school. So that he is allowed in the school means that he is understanding that his sexual desires need to be mortified, just like a heterosexual leader would have to mortify their desires because the, we all have wrong desires. The question is, are you mortifying them? Are you killing them? And if you're killing those desires, then you're doing what Jesus commands you to do. As far as I can tell, that's what's happening there. And so, again, it's just, that's, to me, that's bearing false witness because you're trying to make it like oh, homosexuals are running the worship there. And it's like, what are you talking about? Are we being fair or are we just judging wrongly instead of, like Jesus says, judge with righteous judgment? So again, I'll link that video uh, down below if you want to see the whole thing. But I do think many of the points were overblown. I do think one of the good things that it was, that the video was talking about um, is we should be able to define our terms. And if we're saying this is a revival, well, that has a specific meaning to it. So we should just be careful about throwing words around without really understanding what they are, because it can just cause confusion. So I think that was a good point. And I also think that we should be able to test everything. And we shouldn't just say, oh, these people are barking like dogs or laughing or going crazy. It must be the Holy Spirit. Like, we, we should definitely test those things. And I definitely think the, the majority of people that have gotten hurt in situations uh, where people are going too far in their worship, which I do think is definitely a possibility, um, is when it's hyper-emotional and when it's um, just causing a frenzy. You know, people yelling up on stage and, um, and doing all of these things to try to be like, see, the Holy Spirit was here. But if, when the Holy Spirit comes upon uh, a person, it causes conviction of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is to do. One of the Holy Spirit's roles is to convict the world of sin. It's not to bring emotions crazy. You know, there will be emotions involved, involved but it's not, you know, he's not a hype man. And that's what I see in the Asbury Revival is they're downplaying the hype. You know, Tucker Carlson was going to go on. Uh, he was going to bring his, his camera crew there to um, try to do like a spot, you know, um, of the Asbury Revival. And they said, no, we don't want you here. This is not about media. This is not about getting popular. This is not about excess emotion. This is simple. For the majority of the time, it was simple. And, and people will come in and they'll, um, you know, one of our members said, like, it's not going to be done perfectly because you have so many humans in one place together. But if they're all there for Jesus, that's the body meeting together, worshiping their Lord together. And of course, there's going to be outliers, but by and large, is it a net positive? I think so. So that goes into our second video we saw, which is by Michael Brown. He's a very mature 
theologian, definitely in the charismatic uh, movement, you would expect him to be more open to things like this. Uh, and there was, you know, some points that he said that, you know, I'm not particularly sure about, but I think you can tell that his heart is for the Lord and to see people being saved and come to the Lord. So he had um, five points. Um, so we have eight points versus five points. So the first one was the one I was just saying about um, Tucker Carlson and that it's, it's not about the media. It's not about the show. The second thing is that it has all of the earmarks of a genuine move of God. So he was saying it happened suddenly. There was no expectation, which I think was so important. Nobody came in and planned that, you know, let's make sure that everybody meets here and doesn't, doesn't leave for 24 hours. You know, it wasn't like that at all. Um, the students were not expecting it. Um, it was not from the leadership or anything like that. There was no plan, you know. Um, it's also so interesting, like, you know, people can hype up a crowd and um, can hype up uh, an event. But, but people will not keep coming to a, an event unless that something is happening there. I thought that was a really good point. You have people from all over the country. That doesn't just happen like randomly. So he was saying, um, you know, if you own a steak restaurant and you hype it up, right, but you have really bad steak, people are not going to be coming to your restaurant. And so here, like you can hype it up as much as you want, but here it was being dehyped and people were still coming to it. Like to me, that says... Um, that this was the true spirit of God that was there. Um, also, his third point, one way that we can know that it's the true spirit of God, it began and was marked all the way through its two weeks or however long with constant confession of sin, repentance, and um, whole, calls to holiness. And again, if that's not the spirit of God, I, I don't know what it is. Number four is that it is immediately bearing fruit which is in harmony with revival, in that it revived the sleeping church. And then Michael Brown was talking about the, the order that he sees revival going in. It starts, it go in. It starts with the church, then it goes to backsliders in the church, and then it goes to, then it goes to the lost. So some people were saying, you know, we don't know if it's revival because we won't know until we see if it bears fruit or not. He was in touch with uh, a lot of people there, um, you know, solid believers who were saying, that people truly were coming to Christ and they were truly uh, repenting of their sin. You know, it's not not just hearsay. Uh, and then number five was talking about the criticism that it has been getting. Um, and he said that that usually does happen when there's a move of God too, you know, um, which I could see that, you know. Um, he said constructive criticism definitely is good. And if there is something um, that is happening that the scripture doesn't warrant or does not prescribe to do, then it should be criticized. And, you know, it's one thing I've always liked about Michael. I don't agree with everything that um, he believes, but one thing I do like is his always driving everything back to Scripture and saying, you know, the reason that he believes these, the gifts of the Spirit uh, and the miraculous and things like that is because of Scripture. And I think that, that that is a good point. You know, it's not about, well, we don't see it today or whatever, you know, things like that. Yeah, one thing that I would definitely caution uh, us against is seeking almost like a spiritual high, like seeking just to get the emotion of something that, you know, music can bring. Because music, I mean, obviously affects our emotions in incredible ways. I'm a worship leader, so I know I know that, and I know how to get that to happen as well. So that's something to um, watch out for. You know, if you 
like watch out for are my emotions just being manipulated that so that I'm feeling something uh, and if that is the case then we have to make sure that it's the word of God that the, is where the power is it's not in the music it's the words that are in the music and that we get our beliefs and our practice for life and for godliness only from the word of God and that's why I love studying theology, and I know Michael Brown does, Todd Friel does, um, people at our church do. It's so important to study the Word of God and be so locked in on that, that I believe we will see if something seems off. We will see if something seems like, I don't think that can be God, but we should not be looking for something to not be God. And I do see some very strong-minded I love them to death, brothers and sisters in Christ, come at something like this and they'll start with a disposition of, I don't, yeah, I don't like it. I don't, I don't think it's God moving or whatever. Um, And I would just ask, just with an open mind, what if it was God? What if, and, and shouldn't we want it to be truly God and truly the Spirit? Shouldn't we truly want to see thousands of college kids turning to the Lord in faith and repentance. And just because it might be in a way that our theological uh, tradition does not, um, does not do it in that way, can we allow for that? Or are we going to say no, because it's not, it's not how it's done in the Presbyterian handbook, so it must not be God. We also talked tonight about um, the power of our testimonies, you know, what, what the Lord has done in our lives. And we can get so past that because we're so focused rightly on the word of God, for sure. And that's where, that's where our doctrine is. That's where our, um, we can be so solid in the truth there. But the spirit is still alive today. I think that's, that's something that I took away from tonight. Um, is like, even if you don't go along with what's going on in the revival, the Holy Spirit is alive today. And this is not something that was just, you know, 2,000 years ago. And it was just for them then. But for us, we only have what they had 2,000 years ago. We have, we've got it all. We have the doctrine and the, the word of Christ in the word of God. But we also have the Holy Spirit. And, and isn't that what Jesus says? He's looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. That doesn't mean I got to go crazy. And that means that that's the Holy Spirit. That's not what that means at all. But it does mean that if what the word tells us that the spirit does is not happening in our lives today, we're not walking in the spirit. But if we do have what we have today and that aligns with God's word, we should not be afraid that something that might be happening in this world is something from that same Holy Spirit that is in the word of God. So in closing, there definitely is, um, you know, I'm totally fine with testing all things. I'm fine with being wary of some things and not just believing that things are a move of God without testing it. I don't want to do that. We want to be discerning. We want to test all things, but we also want to hold fast to what is good. I think what happened in Asbury, people who are coming against it are thinking that it's in the same realm as Benny Hinn and the showmanship, so it must not be from God. And I would just encourage us to take something that maybe on the surface, it looks like it might not be scripturally sound, but really examine what is going on here. How did this start? What is the motive of the people that are there? What is the fruit of what's going on there? 
And are there things that we should avoid inside of what's happening there and that are not good that's going on in there? But what if there are some really good things that are going on there that we should hope comes to our churches uh, here and wherever that we are? And I hope we do see the revival of the other sort where the church is empowered to go out and it does impact uh, the culture with that same spirit, the spirit of conviction of sin and repentance. And I think it would be awesome to have colleges with there's hundreds of college age kids who are worshiping the Lord. And yeah, time will tell just how much fruit uh, really has been brought, born out of this. But all in all, I'm so happy to see young people on fire for the Lord, confessing their sins, not getting hyped up emotionally, but instead in true spirit-born repentance and love for the Lord, seeking to serve Him. And I don't want to look for a reason to deny that. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, next time, I hope that uh, we will have Jamie back again uh, with us. Remember to uh, leave us a comment and a like. Follow us on our YouTube page, Freedom Church NJ, and wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a recommendation of some topics that you'd like us to go over in our counterculture class and podcast. Uh, be sure to check out Born Again Baking. Put CC10 in the promo code for 10% off. And like Jamie always says, be encouraged. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ. Be blessed, everybody.